Hello, hello, hello. Chris Arnold here, and welcome to episode four of the Chris Arnold Travel Podcast. I've been out of the UK for almost three weeks now, and I'm starting to forget about what life was like back on British soil. Did the beans go on the toast, or did the toast go on the beans? Did we vote leave, or did we vote remain? Was Cliff Richard one of the good guys, or was he one of the bad guys? Anyway, before we crack on with some more grade A travel tales, I just want to say thanks to the Welsh Whisperer for giving me my very first iTunes review. He put a tasty little nugget of chat for toilet breaks. Five stars. Thanks, Double W. That's very kind. By the way, in case you didn't know, the Welsh Whisperer is a big country folk star from West 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 Wales, from a town called Capaglinmochdafar. Go and check him out. His harmonies are divine. We're off to spend our holidays in Wales. Anyway, time for the podcast. This week I cover our time in Jian and Chengdu. So myself and Francesca left Shanghai and headed to Jian by means of overnight train. This prospect excited me as I never travelled overnight by train before, unless you count the time I fell asleep at Manchester Piccadilly after a heavy one at Warehouse Project. The overnight train itself had a very Harry Potter-esque vibe about it. Quick Harry Potter fact, Rupert Grint, aka Ron Weasley, once watched my old Scar Punk band play a gig in Hertfordshire. He posed for a photo with my sister in exchange for one of my band's CDs. In hindsight, he really didn't get a great deal there. Anyway, back to the train. We found our bunk and it turned out we were sharing with a Chinese lady and her little boy. We were struggling to communicate with each other, so I got out our Mandarin book and tried to make conversation with the little lad. Whoa, Jiao, Chris. <laughs> yep, you're hearing correctly. He just repeated what I said then laughed in my face. Well, at least I tried to make conversation, little Chinese boy. The train departed and the mocking child went on to share some exotic fruit with us, so I let him off. As I dined on what appeared to be a cross between a grape and an apple, I browsed the Mandarin book for the first time, and to my delight in the romance section there was the translation for You very much look like my cousin, which has got to be the worst chat-up line imaginable. Xi'an, spelled X-I apostrophe A-N, but pronounced Xi'an, is a fascinating place. The inner city lies within the Great Wall, and as we all know, they love a Great Wall in China, which was built by the Han Dynasty 194 years before Christ. Nowadays, you can hire bikes and cycle atop the wall whilst nice music plays. It was heavily smoggy whilst we were there, and most of the buildings looked fairly dilapidated, especially since we'd come from Shanghai, but by night the city looked absolutely fantastic. Xi'an is probably most famous for its terracotta warriors. They're kind of like the Chinese version of Bill and Ben the Flowerpot Men, but much older and with less musical numbers. I would tell you more about the terracotta warriors, but I wouldn't want to ruin it for you in case you decide to go there one day. This podcast has zero tolerance against spoilers. Although I will say that I greatly enjoyed the tour guide on the bus journey over to the warriors. Mad flow comparable to a drum and bass MC. After Jian, we headed down to Chengdu in the Sichuan area, famous for its pandas, hot pots and opera. And very occasionally you can enjoy all three things at once. The hostel we were staying in was top-notch and even put on a mini opera on the first night we were there. We grabbed a couple of Sichuan ales, sat back and enjoyed our senses being audibly throttled by the performance. Overall, Chengdu was fantastic. Witnessing pandas knocking about at the research centre was a dream come true, and we had some delightful jasmine tea at a local monastery. I especially enjoyed visiting Mount Qingcheng, known as the birthplace of the Taoist religion. 
Getting there requires a metro, train, bus, pagoda and cable car, but it was definitely worth it. High up in the mountains are temples and pavilions, and it's genuinely baffling how they managed to build them in such conditions. On the day we went, it was hammering down with rain and extremely misty, which gave the whole experience quite a magical touch. The best description I can give it is that it's the perfect location for the protagonist of an action film to be trained up, preferably by a wise eastern master who has a fantastic moustache and who comes back later on in the film via a dream and or vision. And now folks, it's the return of Chinese quirks! Now, it's common in the UK to see folks with Chinese symbols tattooed on their body, usually picked up after a boozy night in Magaluf or Zanti. More often than not, they think that their tattoo is the Chinese symbol for love and honour, or maybe peace or wisdom, but they have no idea for sure. It could actually be the Chinese symbol for boiled cabbage or incontinence pads. Anyway, I think I found the Chinese equivalent, random English words on t-shirts. For example, I saw a girl with a t-shirt that said, black, white, grey, beige, stripe, volume. This also extends to advertising. In a restaurant, I spotted a fried chicken advert that quite simply said, innovative, trustworthy, progressing, welcoming, delightful, friendly, caring, authentic fried chicken. Which is just wonderful. I hate it when fried chicken isn't trustworthy and welcoming. It really grinds my gears. Thanks for listening to episode four of the Chris Arnold Travel Podcast, everyone. All music by The Great Bison. Do check them out. They are brilliant. Remember to head over to iTunes like the Welsh Whisperer did, and why not give me an innovative, trustworthy, progressing, welcoming, delightful, friendly, caring, authentic review? Hmm. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.